Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, will there be a delay in making a decision on the tech frontier mine? Uh, we are going through a process which has been a, a robust process that will culminate in a cabinet decision on the project. We've not yet uh, come to that decision. It's not yet come to cabinet formally. And uh, in that, uh, for that reason, I don't have anything more to say about that project at this time. Jason Kenney says Alberta will one day have to transition to a green economy. It is the first time that Jason Kenney, I think, has been talking about an end in sight for the resource economy. He's actually saying that now. And the Prime Minister heads to Senegal as the push for a UN Security Council seat continues. Having a Canadian voice at that table is important for Canadians, but also for countries around the world who share our values, who share our concerns, who share our perspective on the world. It's Tuesday, February 11th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Hello, Susan. Hello, Mark. So I find it interesting to hear Jason Kenney talking about Alberta going green eventually, but at the same time, he's also been saying, of course, that he wants the tech frontier mine to go ahead. Uh, there are people within the Liberal government, we are told, who are opposed to that. MPs telling the cabinet, you can't approve this because we won't meet our greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, we'll be going in the other direction uh, when our message is that we're supposed to be cutting emissions, not producing more of them. Uh, so I find it interesting because... These are the fault lines, supposedly, in Canadian politics right now, the regional fault lines, the environment versus the economy debate. And it's not shaping up exactly how we thought it would. We're seeing more consensus around achieving some progress on the environment and meeting some of these emissions targets. But we're still also seeing some of these fights over whether to proceed with resource development or not. Yeah, I'm going to pick a different metaphor and I'm going to pick colors because I can't decide what color Jason Kenney is this huh. week. Um, you know, he's talked about going green, uh, which is a really interesting thing. And Don Braid, the columnist, has written uh, a good piece on this. We've, you know, we've never heard Kenny talking about that. Or is he blue? Is he this the, you know, conservative Alberta versus the uh, liberal? Or is he seeing red? And doing all the, uh, not necessarily liberal red, is he seeing red and threatening separation? So, you know, I, again, it, it, is, it is a colorful picture he is painting. And it, it shows that, as you say, this whole argument is getting several different dimensions. So on the green thing, it is the first time that Jason Kenney, I think, has been talking about an end in sight for um, the resource economy. He's actually saying that now. Um, however, he's also written a four-page letter to Justin Trudeau, which was CBC obtained, saying, if you don't approve this, um, this project, um, you are going to feed Western separation, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's, it's clever, but um, and I think he's counting on the fact that two different audiences are reading this, but um, where this leaves the federal government is fascinating to me, and I think growing more fascinating by the day. Parliament is not sitting this week, but um, I think all of us are wondering what is going to happen. Where This is, uh, my colleague Chantal Hébert wrote in the Star on the weekend, 
this is lo- it seems lose lose for Trudeau right now. Why do you say that? Where, where's the lose lose? Because there are some people who would say, well, this whole supposed national unity crisis that we thought was coming over resource development and other issues that 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 hasn't actually been as big a deal as people might have thought six months ago. Well, I do think that some of it has calmed down, and I do give some credit to the Deputy Prime Minister on that. And you see hints of the conversations that Kenny and Krista Freeland have been having in his letter to Trudeau. But he also does draw a line, and he also is still waving, again back to colours, that red flag of separation and feeding Western alienation if this is not approved. Trudeau, on the other hand, has a very restive, emboldened caucus feeling that they went door-to-door, many of them, in the fall and assured voters that they were on the, the environmental path as well. And I, again, my colleague Chantel was saying that she has never seen cabinet so divided on something, and the Liberal caucus is divided, so... In the next, I, I think we're assuming that the decision is going to come within 10 days or so uh, on the tech mine. And who is Justin Trudeau going to annoy is still is still an active issue, I think. Yeah, it has the potential to be another Trans Mountain pipeline of sorts, doesn't it? Uh, yes, but I think the Liberal caucus was more or less behind Trans Mountain and more quiet about it. It seems that he's got a problem in his caucus this time um you know you didn't see that that there were people who were not happy about the government buying trans mountain but they didn't speak up about it but this we're hearing lots more about liberals are not happy about this next project now speaking of jason kenny a harper era federal minister who's now the premier of alberta of course uh he has been touting John Baird as a potential leadership candidate. Clearly, there are those within the conservative movement in Canada, including Jason Kenney, who want to see somebody other than Peter McKay running away with this race, or don't want to see Peter McKay running away with the race, want to see at least somebody challenging him, if not somebody beating him, because of the view that McKay is, as some people have have put it, liberal light rather than a true blue conservative. I'm using the language of some of his opponents here, but uh, right. What do you think about that dynamic? Is is there kind of a throwback to the Harper years kind of movement taking shape here? And where do you think John Baird stands right now? It sure does give us a glimpse into where alliances were and where they weren't inside Harper's cabinet. Certainly Jason Kenney, first of all, was promoting Ron Ambrose. Uh, and now it looks like he's turned to Baird. And that sure is not an endorsement of Peter McKay or even Aaron O'Toole. Uh, so... That's fascinating. Um, I still think that Baird is not going to run. My my suspicion is that he won't. I think um, there is a lively discussion about whether Baird, uh, you know, out there on social media, about whether Baird um, had a, a great reputation inside Harper's cabinet, but he was known. There there is baggage there for him. Um, there are people talking on social media about, you know, the Baird has a long history in in public uh, life, and I think he has a lot of enemies out there too. So, um, yeah, it is going to be fascinating. I am betting Baird does not run in the end, but the mere fact that Jason Kenney has raised his name and that phone calls are still going around 
it says something about the race that there is a contingent inside the conservative camp that is not happy with the, the, the current field. That's not good news. Yeah, let's talk for a moment about how this parliament is working so far. This is a minority parliament, of course. As you mentioned, they're on a break this week, so it gives us a chance to, to kind of take a step back. And we had a, a few days of sitting in, in December, and now we've had a couple of weeks in January and February. Uh, what do you think so far? How is the minority parliament working? I know you've written about that recently in The Star as well. I, I did write about this, and I decided, uh, at the risk to my eyesight, I went through sort of all the transcripts and stuff of the first couple of weeks in the House and talked to Elizabeth May, uh, who often tends to observe tone and things in there. So I th- what she told me was uh, that she gave, in terms of a 110 scale, for tone, pre-election, if you wanted to call it a two, which she did, she said this one is a six, that you do see evidence that people are trying, that they did hear that message at the doorstep, that Canadians are sick and fed up with the, the antics of Parliament. So there, there, is, um, there is a genuine effort. It's also been helped by the fact that the big issues in front of Parliament right now are things that don't tend to divide parties, the, the air crash in Tehran, the outbreak of the coronavirus. So everybody's got to be a bit of a statesman. But I did count. Uh, uh, the new speaker, uh, Anthony Rota, is still calling people down for heckling. He's still dealing with multiple points of order. There have been apologies that had to be uh, transmitted. You know, uh, people have either been demanding apologize, apologies or having to apologize. So... Um, I, I think it's sort of a weaselly journalistic thing to do, but you have to say uh, the results are mixed. Right. I think the intention is there, and you do see it, and you do hear it, that, that people are trying to reach across parties for various reasons. But I still think, as I wrote, leopards don't change their spots, and partisans, it's very hard to change their stripes. Sure. Just a quick final thought, a few seconds, if you will, Susan, on the Prime Minister's trip overseas um, and and what you think he's accomplishing, if anything, on his mission to improve Canada's hopes of getting a U.N. Security Council seat. Well, you know what struck me about the difference between this trip and other ones, famous and not so famous, is we were never really clear about why Justin Trudeau was doing all that traveling in the early days, except to promote himself. Um, and this does seem, again, a different thing. There is a goal in sight here. There is something measurable and attainable. Uh, so that in itself, it doesn't look like Justin's world celebrity tour. Uh, it does look like he's doing this for a reason. I still, from everything I've heard, and I'm no expert on the United Nations, let alone the votes of everybody there, it still looks like the odds are against Canada getting this. But I think... It is intriguing. Two Februarys ago, the Prime Minister was famously in India. Um, for what, we weren't really sure. And uh, certainly, as he said, it's one of his biggest regrets. But this trip is more about the Prime Minister talking up Canada rather than himself. So that's interesting. And maybe progress. Very interesting indeed. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Okay, you too, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. I will be working together with my uh, global counterparts to understand the, the impacts of the coronavirus. 
Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are talking about today. In the Globe and Mail, André Picard argues the time to tackle the next threat is now. Picard writes, Are we just going to have a major global freakout every time a new bug emerges? Or are we actually going to start tackling the underlying causes of the growing number of infectious diseases? We're paying the price for our short-sightedness with a frantic response to a new virus that is costing the global economy billions. A little foresight might prevent the next pandemic threat, or at least the next global freakout. In the Toronto Sun, Mark Bonacoski considers whether John Baird will run for the Tory leadership. Bonacoski writes, Who can ride the conservative machine better than the man who did the autopsy on the election campaign of Andrew Scheer? The deadline to become an approved applicant is February 27th. To qualify, candidates need to pay a $25,000 fee, submit 1,000 signatures, and fill out a questionnaire for background and information checks. Baird could do all that in short order and he would have no worries raising the $300,000 necessary to be in the finals. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson considers leadership without restraint. Pearson writes, The knives were out the moment Donald Trump was acquitted. He is now ready to rule more autocratically than before. Here in Canada, it's not as though our politics isn't without its unprincipled power seekers who seek a lane for their ascendancy through dividing Canada even further. These must be cautious days lest we lose our hegemony in the face of all that anger. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The federal health minister will be joining her Ontario counterpart and the mayor of Toronto, as well as public health officials, to spend the morning showing support for healthcare professionals working to counter the coronavirus. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, Federal Health Minister Patty Haidu will meet with Ontario Health Minister Christine Elliott this morning and they will tour Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital. That's the site where two of Canada's coronavirus patients were tested and later treated. Later in the morning, she'll be joined by Toronto Mayor John Tory, and around noon, they will be speaking to the media in a restaurant in Toronto's Chinatown. Now, the choice of that venue and part of the message, obviously, will be to try to lend support to the country's Chinese communities, who have been the object over the past few weeks of misinformation about the coronavirus and some unwarranted fears and even prejudices. In the afternoon, Minister Haidu will meet with Toronto's chief medical officer and then she will visit one of the other front lines in Canada's fight to detect and contain the coronavirus, Public Health Agency of Canada workers at the country's busiest airport, Toronto's Pearson International. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will meet with the Emir of Kuwait before departing for Dakar, Senegal, Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan, and Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will attend the 2020 Globe Forum in Vancouver. Also in Vancouver, Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will meet with the Women's Infrastructure Network. Innovation Minister Navdi Baines will speak at the grand opening of the new Autonomous Vehicle Research and Intelligence Lab facility in Waterloo, Ontario. Public Services Minister Anita Anand will make an announcement in Vaughan, Ontario. Labour Minister Philomena Tassi will make a cultural infrastructure funding announcement in Hamilton, Ontario. Economic Development Minister Melanie Jolie will take part in a funding announcement in Edmonton. Minister of Fisheries Bernadette Jordan will speak at the 2020 Gear Innovation Summit in Halifax. And Minister of Seniors Deb Schulte will make an announcement in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February the 11th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. 
Have a great day.